Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. How often do you pray? And it's not a trick question, although it might seem like one, because right now there's a lot to be praying for, but man, there's a lot that's also distracting us and keeping us away from actually spending time praying. I've shared this story before, but I used to have an incredible prayer life. Like, I mean, it was off the charts good. Back when I was a youth pastor in British Columbia and before having kids, I just found myself in a daily dialogue with Jesus. It was just something that was so innate and so natural. And I just found myself doing when I was driving or walking or I'd sit alone in a coffee shop. And I had what I considered a rich prayer life. Like, it was good. And it hadn't always been this way. But as I embraced my new role of being a youth pastor, I worked hard to devote my time and my energy toward cultivating this relationship. And I still remember where I was driving one day. And I I said to myself, I have an amazing prayer life. This is something that I will never give up and this is something that can never be taken away from me. And it was just this moment of like sheer praise. But then not long after that, it was as if life said, yeah, we'll see about that. Because I suddenly began facing challenges and struggles and loss, some pretty severe loss and stress. And the first thing to go was my prayer life. Something that I just said, I'll never give this up. It it just was gone. And I suddenly bought into the temptation and the lie that I had to toughen up. I had to do this on my own. And in all honesty, I've been working on getting my prayer life back ever since. And then adding kids into the picture hasn't made it easier. (laughs) And then adding a pandemic into the picture hasn't made it easier. The current pandemic we're facing has reminded me of this moment because I've noticed as a pastor, both in myself and others, just the lack of time that we're actually giving to prayer. While at the same time, we have this desperate desire to pray more. I've been speaking with several people lately who have an earnest desire to connect with God, to pray. Or there's some people who are in search of a higher power and something beyond themselves. And and they've been asking me, how do I do this? How do I actually pray? And I've been connecting with people who desire to make make sense of what's happening right now in the world. And people who have a desire to say, okay, all of this other stuff that's happening doesn't matter. I need to focus on what truly matters. See, for some people, they've never prayed before in their lives. And it feels like they're talking to themselves. While for others of us, we've been praying for a lifetime, but lately it's just felt dry or stagnant and sometimes even like a chore. Like, oh, I know I'm supposed to do this, but... Or the very real fact that we become too distracted by what's going on around us to quiet ourselves and to focus on what's truly important. But friends, let's not miss out on this opportunity that's in front of us right now, especially during the stay at home order, that we have an opportunity to learn how to pray and to make an eternal impact. 
Have you ever heard of the 10,000 hour principle? Malcolm Gladwell, I believe, kind of made this popular in, his, in one of his books, but there's research that says if you want to master any craft or become an expert in any field, it takes around 10,000 hours of dedication. That's it. So you could become a master chef, you could get your bachelor's degree and your master's degree, you could memorize the New Testament, uh, or you could beat every Mario game that's been, ever been made. But did you know that the average American spends about 705 hours on social media per year? Or did you know that the average American watches 2,737.5 hours of TV per year? Like, that's crazy. And these stats are even from before COVID. Another interesting fact is that the average American reads between 200 to 400 words per minute. At this speed, that means we could read about 200 books in just 417 hours. That's almost half the time we're on social media, and it's a fraction of the time that we watch TV. Pretty unreal. Charles Chu, he wrote an excellent article called The Simple Truth Behind Reading 200 Books in a Year, and he put it this way, here's the simple truth behind reading a lot of books. It's not that hard. We have all the time we need. The scary part, the part we all ignore, is that we're too addicted, too weak, and too distracted to do what we all know is important. So I have to ask this, if this is true of just simple reading, how much more does it apply to our relationship with God and to our prayer life? And it's questions like this that God used to stir in my heart this series, how to pray. Because the question that I want to explore and unpack is how do we live deliberately in the middle of the noisy, fast-paced digital world that we call home? And the answer is relatively easy to say, but it's a lot harder to put into practice. But we follow Jesus. That's the answer. How do, how do we do this? We, we follow Jesus. But let me say that this series isn't supposed to make you feel guilty for being lazy or for not doing enough. That, that's not my heart whatsoever because I'll admit, I don't believe you're lazy. I believe that we are exhausted. That's what makes prayer sometimes so hard because we are spent on so many other things. We are exhausted that we just simply don't have the energy or we haven't prioritized the energy to spend on that. My heart for this series is to help you step out of the chaos of our current situation, the toxic news cycle, and invest in what truly matters, to invest in your relationship with Jesus. Wherever you find yourself on the prayer spectrum, whether you've never prayed before, you're brand new to it, or you've been praying for years, my prayer is that this series will help you focus on and engage with Jesus Christ. I pray that this series will help you discover who Jesus is and that he is present with you right now, and he wants to journey through life together with you. 
A lot of the material that I'm gonna be leaning on and incorporating comes from a book by Pete Gregg called How to Pray. That's where I got the series title. Uh, a Simple Guide for Normal People. Pete Gregg is, a, is an author, he's a writer, he's a church planter, he's an accidental co-founder of the 24-7 prayer movement that has gone around the world. And I love just the simplicity that he was able to capture in how to pray. Because you see, I believe we all get to the point where we, we ask ourselves, there's got to be more to this, right? And it's usually at this point that we start thinking that if this God thing is true, there has got to be more power. There's got to be more mystery. There has got to be more actual personal experience. So we finally turn to God, half wondering whether or not we're any more than half serious. And we say, Lord, help me. Like It's in these times of desperation, Lord, help me that we cry out to him, that, that that's our first prayer. And then he simply replies and says, I thought you'd never ask. And I love this because Jesus' disciples asked him a similar question. Luke 11 tells us that Jesus had just finished praying by himself. And one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Isn't that beautiful? that it shows us that while prayer may be natural, while it might be built in our DNA, it's not automatic. They had been witnessing Jesus' miracles, his power and authority, how he carried himself, the way he spoke to the religious leaders and the teachers of the law, and how he would often remove himself to pray. And they wanted in, they wanted a piece of it. They wanted to experience this vibrant connection to God. So the first question though we have to ask is why pray? And I believe there's three innate reasons why we should pray. First, to pray is to be human, to pray is to be like Jesus, and to pray is to be open to possibility. So to pray is to be human. It's, it's been said that to be human is to pray. And I simply wanted to just turn that around that if it's to, to be human is to pray, well then to pray is to be human. It's just a natural thing we can do. The impulse to pray is universal. I believe it's built into the fabric of creation. Throughout time, you can see it from primitive cave paintings up to today's social media feeds that whenever a tragic event happens, you see everyone posting thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, because we all have this desire to turn toward God, especially in times of crisis. There is a universal impulse to pray that permeates through human anthropology, through archaeology, sociology, and psychology. Prayer has been described as an unending chorus of human longing and as the soul's native language. Again, to pray is to be human, or to even put it another way, prayer is a way of life. Which brings us to the second reason why we pray. To pray is to be like Jesus. Just as the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. It should come as no surprise that for me and for billions of other people today, we discover how to live and how to pray in Jesus' revolutionary life 
and teaching. We are followers of Jesus, and Jesus was a man of prayer. Jesus, the most extraordinary person who ever lived, was a man of prayer. Jesus' private prayers were often a prelude to these pivotal moments. His baptism, his choosing of the 12 disciples, the transfiguration, and even his ascension into heaven. Jesus would continue to pray, even after significant events, such as feeding the 5,000 or hearing the devastating news that his cousin had been executed. He would withdraw and pray. Jesus prayed and prayed and prayed. But prayer for Jesus wasn't motivated by a religious obligation. This isn't about doing more. This is about doing what matters. For Jesus, prayer was intimacy with God, the God he called Father. Which brings us to the third reason why we pray. To pray is to be open to possibility. You see, in prayer, we invite God into our struggles, into the struggle of our lives. And through prayer, it forms and transforms us into people who are marked by the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not sure about you, but when challenges come my way, my temptation is to go it alone, to be self-reliant, to tell myself, I can do this, I've got this. And if I'm completely honest, I already have an idea of how I think I should resolve it. But you see, self-reliance believes that we can change things in our own strength and in our own way, but prayer is a steadfast refusal to give ourselves over to self-reliance. Prayer opens us up to possibility. The possibility of God transforming us changing our hearts and transforming and changing the hearts of those around us and the lives of those around us. That's why our mission is to make Jesus known so that lives and communities will be transformed through him. You see, in Mark 9, Jesus attributes his disciples' impotence in ministry to their lack of prayer. They asked, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. See, prayer invites God into the struggle of our lives and invites us into the presence of God. Now, while those are a few reasons why we pray, the series that we're focusing on is how to pray. I believe that's the more significant question that I want to touch on quickly tonight and then we'll continue to unpack in the weeks ahead. How do we pray? So let me offer this quick primer on how to pray. And like I said, we're going to continue to unpack this in the weeks ahead, but here's a good starting point. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. That's it. Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. So keep it simple. It's important that we keep it simple because if to pray is to be human, then let's not make the most natural thing in the world weird or complicated or this intense thing. Jesus warns us in the Beatitudes in Matthew 6, the world is so full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. 
Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. Jesus then goes on to give us the Lord's Prayer, which we'll look at in the weeks ahead. But in its original language, it was only 31 words long, and it rhymed. Talk about simple. Jesus gave us a tweet. <laughs> you see, prayer isn't about doing more. It's about doing what matters. It's about grounding ourselves and investing in our relationship with Jesus. It's that simple. Secondly, keep it real. Jesus invites us to keep prayer real. One of the best pieces of advice I received from a spiritual director was to let go of everything I was doing that made me feel like a better Christian. I was at seminary at this time doing my master's degree, so it was a safe place to give me this advice, but she said, let go of all these extra things you're doing that makes you feel like a better Christian. In other words, she was saying, drop the facade, drop the charade. And a few days after that, I was driving to school and I decided to let God have it. I thought, okay, yeah, I'll let go of this. And I spewed out everything I'd been carrying within me. I was mad, I was angry, I was sad, I was grieving. Do you know what? God used that moment to break through to me and remind me of his love and his presence with me. It was a life-changing moment. It was revolutionary. And it even transformed the way I was able to connect with Amanda and share with her about what was going on inside of me and my relationship with God. Author Anne Lamott, she wrote in her book on prayer, my belief is that when you're telling the truth, you're close to God. She goes on to say, if you say to God, I'm exhausted and depressed beyond words, and I don't like you at all right now, and I recoil from most people who believe in you, that might be the most honest thing you've ever said. Let's face it. The Bible is often more honest than the church, <laughs> than we are. The Psalms are filled with cries of unresolved pain. The prophets ranted, Moses whined. But the incredible thing about these rude, irreverent, self-pitying prayers that are recorded in scripture isn't that they were prayed to God in the first place. It's the fact that they were never redacted. They were never removed. These people were simply honest before God. Thomas Merton, a Trappist monk says, God is far too real to be met anywhere other than in reality. So let's keep it real. And third, keep it up. Jesus says in Luke 18 that we must always pray and not give up. And this brings me back to where I started this evening. It's easy to lose heart when our prayers don't seem to be working or when we're wondering if anything's really happening or when we start feeling like we're just talking to ourselves. It's easy to forego setting aside time for prayer because we have things to do. But here's the truth. We can't grow in prayer and in our relationship with Jesus without some measure of effort and discomfort of self-discipline and self-denial. Just like we can't get physically fit 
without regular exercise and healthy diet. And this is coming to you from someone who struggles with self-discipline with regular exercise and a healthy diet. Hello, Big Mac. <laughs> but following Jesus is something we do. It's a practice as much as it is a faith. And at the core, the practices of Jesus are about a relationship with God, the God that he called Father. And all relationships take time. When Amanda and I began dating, we started hanging out until all hours of the night. Um, but if we were to keep that up 13 years later, <laughs> we'd be dead. Instead, over time, our relationship grew and evolved and deepened. And it has been through the discipline of good communication, of regular date nights, apologizing more often than I'd like to admit. And it's brought us to a deeper and more fulfilling place today than I ever could have imagined back in those early days of dating and butterflies and late nights. Just as an enduring marriage is built through regular rhythms and routines, so too our relationship with God survives and thrives through disciplines such as Bible study, such as fellowship, connecting with each other, confession, repentance, and prayer. But you have to keep it up. You have to keep working at it. Delight without discipline eventually, inevitably, dissipates. So to keep it up, here's my advice. Make it easy, make it enjoyable. Some people are not morning people, period. So don't set an unrealistic goal of getting up at 6 a.m. every morning to spend an hour with God. You're setting yourself up for failure. But rather, try setting your alarm 15 minutes early. So if you normally get up at 7, try setting it for 6.45 and use those 15 minutes to pray, to be silent with God, to listen to God. Prayer isn't just us talking, as we'll get into more and more in the weeks ahead, but it's also listening. It's grounding ourselves in our relationship with Jesus. And let me quickly add that while mornings may not work best for you, and you're like, I'm not a morning person at all, I will do this at night. Okay, that, that might work for you, but I've discovered time and time again why people often say start it in the morning. Because this past Wednesday got away from me. I had to watch the kids so Amanda could teach online and I didn't have my regular rhythms of the day and I just drank coffee and read the news and Wednesday was a terrible day for news. And I by noon, I, I just couldn't focus. I had lost track of everything. I had consumed so much news and was distracted by things that genuinely aren't as important, but I couldn't get myself into reading scripture or setting aside time to pray. That's why I think it's so important to just start our day off on the right foot. Whether you've got five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, do what you can to start your day with God. It will change your day but also make it enjoyable. Like you have to make it enjoyable. You wanna look forward to these moments of quiet alone time with Jesus, perhaps holding your giant mug of coffee and you, you wanna get excited to open the Bible and say, what is the Lord going to say to me today? I'm excited for what God wants to reveal to me. I'm excited for the opportunity and the possibilities that this day holds. 
So my prayer is that you'll set aside time to pray this week. If you're a regular prayer, add some time to it. If this is brand new to you, maybe maybe set aside a few days. But eventually you want to get into the habit of making this a daily exercise, a daily practice. So my prayer is that you'll set aside this time to pray, to talk with Jesus and listen to what he might want to say. And remember, to pray is to be human, to be like Jesus and to be open to possibility. So keep it simple, keep it honest and keep it up. So as I wrap up, I want to encourage you with some next steps. I want to encourage you to take a next step. So first, set aside time to sit with Jesus this week. Put it in your calendar if you have to. Something that will hold you accountable. Tell a friend. Uh, Reach out to me. Uh, And remember, don't do all the talking. Listen to what God has to say to you as well. And I know if you're brand new to this, it might feel like you're talking to yourself, but you're not. You are talking to the creator of the universe, the creator of you and me. And he wants this relationship with you. Second next step you can take is to submit a prayer request. On our website, thewellbinbrook.com slash pray, you can submit a prayer request there and it can be done uh, publicly where people will see your name. It can be done privately where um, it will only come to me and it won't be posted on the wall. Or you can do it anonymously where it will still be on the wall, but um, your name won't be published. So submit a prayer request. Third, Pray for a prayer request. Same website, thewellbinbrook.com slash pray. As you see people's prayer requests there, and we have a number of them there, go on and just simply pray over them and click, I prayed, I prayed. And you, you can actually see how many people have prayed for your prayer request. And then last but not least, check out the links in the description. I've attached two files from Pete Grigg. Um, And the the one file is called How to Pray the Lord's Prayer. And if you want to go through that, uh, he has a couple pages there to help guide you through it. And also how to have a quiet time. If you're interested in going deeper and this is something new to you, I invite you to check out that PDF, print it off. And again, if you have any questions, reach out to us at hello at thewellbinbrook.com. But I'm excited to, to continue this series, to unpack and to learn how to pray. Because remember, it's not about doing more. It's about doing what matters. It's about living deliberately. And it's about focusing on and following Jesus. So let me pray. And then I invite you to stay with me and worship with, with Hillsong as they lead us in the song Upper Room. And then I'll close with a benediction. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are and for who you created us to be. God, we are created in your image and you want and desire a relationship with us. God, I pray that as we lean into this series of how do we pray, I pray that it won't become a burden, a chore, something we have to do out of religious obligation, but it's something that we will desire to do out of our intimacy with you. God, I thank you for everyone who's able to watch this and listen to this, and I pray that you will use it to draw us closer to you. Speak to us in the days ahead. Speak to us now. Help us to fix our eyes upon you, and Lord, teach us how to pray. In your name, amen.